They've been in Baltimore for almost 80 years now, the Baltimore Orioles. And we're going to talk about their sort of lousy start to their history when they were the St. Louis Browns and how good they've been since they've been the Baltimore Orioles in our deep dive. Hi, welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark. And this is Gordon. And we love talking about baseball. Should have started by by saying this, and, and, and you were talking about this, that the Milwaukee Brewers originally were the St. Louis Browns turned Baltimore Orioles. And I didn't even know that the Brewers well, were an original I, I American League I, team. I think that's a really weird way of putting it because it's kind of confusing. Is One it, year. I think better way of putting it is the Baltimore Orioles technically started as the Milwaukee Brewers spending playing one year, I think, in like 1900. 01. 01, right? original team in the American League. And then that team went away for a few years until I guess what I can only assume is the same ownership group Right, showed the, up in the, Baltimore as the Baltimore Braves. So the the right the Brown the St. Louis Browns who were the bottom of the league for so many years we'll talk about that a little bit um, went is went nineteen oh two the year after they left Milwaukee and they were there until nineteen fifty three um, so they were there for fifty years of really lousy baseball in fact their their winning percentage was four thirty three so they were thirty four hundred and fourteen wins and forty four hundred and sixty five losses that is that is as bad as any team so we've were talked they there, about and they were there at the same time the Cardinals were there. That's right. So there's two teams in St. Louis that right, whole time. Right, right. And, and in fact, the, uh, what do they call it? The Streetcar World Series of 1944 were was they, between the Browns and the Cardinals. Okay, so I'm guessing that when the Browns left to go to Baltimore, that's why we got a Kansas City team shortly thereafter. Right, so exactly. So the A's left uh, Philadelphia and went to Kansas City in 1953, and they were there till 1965. So you're right to be on Milwaukee, um, moved uh, from Boston, the Boston Braves or Bees, mm-hmm. we've talked about that. So all that was going on, you know, right, in, a lot of in, teams, in the early, that was to be sort of like the beginning of like moving teams around, you know, um, well, regularly. Well, we saw through like the 50s into the 60s right. until we sort of have what the what we've kind of had since then, which is the current landscape of the Major League Baseball, just with the expansion teams added in. And and so the Orioles, uh, you know, were uh, lucky that, you know, they were able to get rid of everybody's memory of what the Browns were because the Browns never won um, a championship in the 50. Well, I think the name there. change certainly helps because I don't think of them as the same franchise to me. I mean, if you have, honestly, if you ask me when the Orioles started before we started research for this episode, I would have guessed like, weren't they like one of the original teams? Well, um, it feels yeah, like, yeah, it. yeah. I feel, well, I mean, when you, and, you, and you pointed out, look, when you've been around for 80 years to a lot of people, that's forever. <laughs> right. Exactly. For the average baseball fan today, there's only ever been major league baseball with the Baltimore Orioles around. So it's not surprising that they kind of feel like a team that's been there, you know, the whole time. And, and I, and I, and I could have looked at this more. I assume the Browns tried to get new ballparks built. They played in sportsman's park in St. Louis, uh, but they were always the second class citizen, uh, as long as the car. Cardinals, right. uh, Cardinals were there. always, you know, number one in the St. Louis. And then so things were not great for, you know, the St. Louis Browns for a very long time. But then they show up in Baltimore and they pretty much had success right off the bat. I don't know what year it was. Um, you know, obviously, I said that they went to the World Series during the war in 1944 as the Browns, which is probably the only reason they did, because a lot of the good players weren't right. around and they had a chance. And it was not that year. I think it was the next year in 45 where they had the one armed ball player well they also had eddie Veet, the shortest ball player no no eddie eddie um G- G- gadel was a 
uh, Bill, it's right. That was a right. Bill Vex St. Louis Browns against right. the White Sox. Right. So that was a thing. So so then they're they're also the franchise with a lot of that in their past because you had Bill Vex sort of just trying to make baseball into an entertainment product and doing whatever he could to get people to come. Well, to the, the team game. wasn't any good. No. So he was, and then they moved to Baltimore and they got good. Right. Right. So and since they've been in Baltimore, they have, like I said, a, a five uh, over five hundred uh, win one loss percentage, five oh five. And through this year, they've won fifty five hundred and sixty seven games and lost fifty four fifty nine. Um, so really, it's the this year was a big help, you know, because they had a very they good needed that this they year. Could probably so get back so up there. For, they've made the playoffs 14 times in their history. And, and if we remember the Orioles, we could talk about some. There's a lot of playoff failures in their Orioles history. Well, they've got three World Series. They've got three World Series all since since 1966. So that's pretty good. But right. but I think the tough thing for Oriole fans is they were all very closely grouped together. Well, and not only that, but the greatest player in Oriole history, and I'll, I'll say it right now, I think you knew it without me even saying it because I tried to throw another name in there and you're like, what? So I, I, you know, anybody would say the great Jim Palmer is the greatest and he pitched on all three uh, Baltimore Oriole World Series teams, and 1966. That's, and that's why he is in the Hall of Fame. Right, 1970 and 1983. So, you know, he didn't pitch much in 1983. But he was there. He, he was there and he, he he threw some innings. So, uh, and and what what an amazing ball player he was. Uh, and and we'll, we'll talk about him specifically because there's every checkbox there is for being great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, no, he does that. So, um, yeah, so they're, they're, they're sort of failures. And I, I think I remember um, uh, more recently their failure had to do with, um, I think an Armando Benitez. Um, well, I thought it was more with Buck Showalter not putting in Zach Britton. You know, I, I heard Zach Britton on uh, the, the. He just retired this week, mm-hmm. and he was on uh, the leadoff spot with with Steve Phillips and Eduardo, uh, or maybe with somebody else that day. Anyway, he um, he, he. I kept. I said. I sent a note to him. Going, they should really ask him: Is Zach Britton more famous for the time he didn't pitch yeah. than for all the times he did? Ultimately, that's what I'll be remembered for. Or, and it won't even really be he'll be remembered for that. He'll just be discussed as part of that situation. But, I mean, Bill Buckner is most famous for the play he didn't make. Yeah, yeah. Well, in this case, he didn't even get a chance to try and risk right, But it's like people talk, don't talk about It's not like the memory is, oh, Zach Britton wasn't able to pitch or refused to pitch. It was that Buck didn't put him in. So that doesn't really reflect poorly on him. No, no, it doesn't. And, and he, because he's a classy guy, he, he, he said, look, I'm okay with what Buck did. I had pitched a lot before that right, game. Right. You he, know, he, he played it diplomatically he, like he's supposed to. He, he didn't kind of, you know, throw throw Buck under the bus uh, and, and say, well, yeah, he should have done that. But I'm sure if they would have asked him the question, in the right way, you would have liked to have had a chance. Oh to yeah, pitch. of course he would have. He's a player, so uh, you know, in that particular instance. Um, so the you know the um, the Orioles have had some really great. Uh, players uh, on in the pitching side of it, they've had some. You know, uh, uh, Mike Messina, Hall of Famer. I think you would say. Um, well, he's not. Oh yeah. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer. Oh, I'm wrong on that. I'm so sorry. I he's didn't think ha- he was. He's a Hall of Famer. Um, and and had more success with the Orioles, although he won his World Series with the Yankees. Yankees. Um, but I, you know, when you start getting down to you know like the other great Baltimore pitchers, I certainly don't remember any since Musina. Right, like starting, and we're talking about starting pitchers. By the way, when I when I go later on to try to you know talk about like the re- the great relief pitchers, it's it's the, the great 
Baltimore relief pitchers. You're not going to remember. You're not going to believe who I picked as my number one, and and it wasn't Armando Benitez. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's going to be a problem because I don't really know another one. Well, we'll we'll get to that in a moment. Um, but yeah, the uh, Zach you know, Britton. Zach, Zach Britton was one of the guys. Right, you know, like, like that was my other guess. And, and the other guy was a guy they had on the radio also talking about there recently. So he's pitched in your lifetime. Oh, okay. Um, but Maybe I don't, I I don't know that. It's like it just tells you they didn't have a lot of you no, know. No, no. But there are positions closers. where they did. You know, obviously, I think most people would know the left side of the Baltimore Oriole infield historically is uh, up there all time in terms of strength led by two Hall of Famers right uh, in fact I, I don't know that they have you know well I'd say you know let, let's talk about it let's let's do that well, if you go around the infield you could say leading at every position is a Hall of Famer because you're going to have Eddie Murphy at first base Eddie Murray Murray. <laughs> that would be funny though it would be funny <laughs> Eddie Murray at first base Roberto Alomar at second Rifkin at short, Brooks Robin at th- Robinson at third. Right. That's about as good as an infield about anybody outside probably the Yankees or like one of the original franchises is going to boast. And I don't know if you know, Eddie Murray played more before you. I'm going to tell you, I just called him Eddie Murphy. Clearly, well, I don't so, know but, his but you name. Know, you know he was a Hall of Fame player. Right, but I am know just he was a guy that's got a name close to an actor, and I always confuse him. Gold gloves, uh, obviously, at first base, which I don't think I really thought of because I just thought of him as a feared power hitter with the 500 home runs. Um, he did play for the Dodgers and the Mets oh, at the yeah. End yeah, his, the end of his, his career. At the very end of his career. And he was a switch hitter, um, which I thought was pretty interesting because there are not too many power hitting first basemen that were also that switch, are switch hitters. hitters, right? You know, and power hitters as switch hitters in the, in the first place. You think Mickey Mantle right away, but I don't know that people think Eddie Murray. And I think he's probably up there in the pantheon of power hitting switch hitters in the history of Major League Baseball. Yeah. I mean, then again, that's a pretty small. Yeah, well, it's it's hard to do, right? You know, so um, and then there's, was Alomar a switch hitter too? I think he he might have been. He might have been. I right. don't remember fully. And another, you know, amazing ball player. Um, you know, who you know, it's amazing to have four guys, you know, as your best players as Hall of Famers. Right. There's not a lot of teams that can boast that. I mean, some can, but that's more just due to longevity than anything else. If you you've played for, you know, you got a hundred plus year franchise, there's a decent chance you've got a guy at one position for each place. So, um, but back to the pitcher for a second. We you know. So we said, you know, I I I think Musina is probably the second greatest Oriole pitcher, but you kind of like, that's a big drop off from Jim Palmer. Although he's a hall of famer. He's a hall of famer. So it's not that big a drop off, but most people would classify Palmer as like one of the all time greats. And I don't think Musina quite gets that respect. So I I came up with some other great Oriole pitchers. And and the problem is, is that unless you're a a, a baseball nerd fan like me and you think, Oh yeah, I remember Mike Flanagan. He won a Cy Young award. I remember Kevin Brown had a really good couple of years. I didn't put him in my list. That's an excellent point. Um, But like you're, talking about guys that had a stretch or a season right they weren't like orioles for a 10 like scott mcgregor pitched for the orioles his entire career really good pitcher i think he started an all-star game um you might not have ever heard of him no right but a, a, a fine pitcher not a hall of fame pitcher not even close you know, they've had guys that had good seasons and got 20 wins for them i want to say that like the, i remember there was a year guy recently like within the last 20 years had 20 wins for them but it like it was a one-off season right. so it's kind of hard to be like oh yeah that's that's 
that's who you're going to point to as a paragon of Oriole pitching. And, and we'll talk about Frank Robinson because there's another Hall of Famer in, in their outfield. But he was traded uh, for Milt Pappas uh, from the Orioles. And, you know, Milt Pappas, I went back and looked at his stats. And Milt Pappas won 20 games a bunch of times, was a strikeout pitcher, was just an excellent pitcher. Another guy that, you know, okay, so he pitched nearly 60 years ago. So you don't really follow him stuff. But, you know, an excellent pitcher. And probably a lot of people don't even remember that he pitched for the, for the Orioles a, a, anymore. Um, but he was in, in, on the other end of one of the more famous trades uh, in, in Major League history. Um, and they have a Hall of Famer at catcher, too. Really? Okay. I didn't. Who would that be? A guy that no one thought should have been in the Hall of Fame. No, that's never a good way to introduce him. So his brother was supposedly the better ball player. So, oh, one oh, of these. These are the Ferrells, right? This is this Rick Ferrell. Um, and and I look, you look at his stats and you think, what? Were they thinking? It's like a little, like like a little poison situation. I, I, maybe. Well, I don't. I don't think Wes. Maybe we could look that up. I don't think Wes Farrell, his pitcher, who was mostly known as an excellent player, who was the most handsome guy in the major leagues. I, 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 this is you read about this guy going. Okay, yeah, he's like movie star, good looks. Like okay, but how is he as a player? You know, good and, enough to be a Hall of Famer. Apparently, I don't. I don't know that Wes Farrell is in the in the Hall of Fame. I, I think his brother went in the Hall of Fame and he didn't. But Wes was the better ball player and he was a home run hitting pitcher so he was a great hitter as a pitcher but, the, but his brother the not as good playing catcher got in that is correct so west farrell is not in the hall of fame he has a 60.1 career war 193 wins 128 losses the guy was a great hitting pitcher his brother the catcher is in the hall of fame Wait, did they just get get them confused when they were putting the ballots in? <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. Like um, that would just be like, this, and they were just way too embarrassed at that point to say anything. Uh, so they're just like, just go with it, okay? We'll just pretend well, he's a catcher. We got to put a couple of them in, and it's a good thing, right? Because you know the rest of the catchers in Oriole history. I had to dig down deep. So I, 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 I mean, I, I guess maybe uh, Adley. Well, you know, he's only been around two years, but like, you know, he might be the best, you know, because if you think Rick Dempsey, who was more to me, you know, Rick Dempsey started catcher them in the eighties was a, was a, was a good catcher, not a great catcher, more famous for like doing like, you know, dressing up in the, the penguin suit during rain delays and sliding into second base and doing goofy stuff like that. I can tell you, Rick Dempsey did not have enough impact on baseball to reach me yeah, to reach you. So Rick Dempsey, um, and, and yeah, and, and one of my favorite names in baseball wasn't a great catcher, but Andy Etchebaron was, was a catcher for the Orioles back in the 1960s but mm -hmm. the point is that after there's not a lot after the guy who wasn't that good who's a Hall of Famer <laughs> and, and you run into that in the outfield kind of interestingly as well because you have Frank Robinson who everybody will acknowledge is an all-time great and then you kind of have a bunch of guys named Joe yeah yeah um, and it's not, it's not that they're not actually completely terrific ball players but when you were talking about like reaching up to the Mount Olympus of baseball players yeah you, you don't even have a Hall of Famer right. or You're a guy right. that you would even argue. There is are no close. other Hall of Famers, to your point. Right. There's no other Hall of Famers. And I don't know if there's another guy that's close. No, I don't think so either. I mean, like Adam Jones is an Oreo legend, but he kind of reminds me of an Andrew McCutcheon, a guy that will be beloved from this era of baseball for their respective teams. But nobody's going to retire their number or say they should be in the Hall of Fame. And and so I, I came with a couple other names. So I, I watched a guy named Paul Blair play center field for the Orioles that won the championship in 70 and they played the Mets in 69 really good defensive center fielder could not hit very well at all so that takes him out of being an you know any Brady, kind of all-time great Brady Anderson hit 50 home runs one season for them it's how like, did that how do you think that happened I don't know <laughs> but I, I will always remember that um, and and there was a, I looked up great you know Oriole players and just because I like the name Baby Doll Jacobson 
And if you go into baseball reference and you write in Baby Doll Jacobson, that's the name that comes up. Just like like Home Run Baker, by the way, not not related with else, but I saw so I was looking up as I knew his name was Frank, so I'm looking for his career stakes, and I can't find him. No, you have to look him up as Home Run Baker. That's what he was known <laughs> that was as. His name, like not as his name. And when he was at home, his mom didn't say Home Run. Would you come here, please? Mm. You know? <laughs> so um, Ken Singleton um, was it was another outfielder. I put him as the other outfielder between. That's that's how far now. Ken Singleton was a fine major league ball player. To your point. Um, but, but we're going like that, to—that's already sort of pejorative well, no, of against no, because it. Not every team can have a Hall of Famer in every right, position, right? Right? But, 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 but still, we're like, oh, he's a fine baseball. Player. He was. He hit home runs. He played good defense. <laughs> uh, he was there a long time. <laughs> Again, uh, he batted two eighty or something like for, for his career. It, I, don't, I don't know what do you want a guy to do. He'd no, be a no, Hall no, of Famer no. or not? It's just funny the way we're describing him as all. Yeah. Well, you had to come up with guys to fill out a, a lineup. You are correct. You are correct. <laughs> so, uh, and and Ken Williams uh, was a. a Another old-time Oriole player that I really don't have, you know, much knowledge of. But that's how far you have to dig down. All right. So they're a really strong team in the infield. Not so much when you get to the outfield. And so I, I said the relief pitcher wasn't Zach Britton. It's wasn't not Benitez. Armando Benitez. Uh, not Jim Johnson. Wasn't he like the closer there for a while uh, at one point? Um, Greg Olson. Who? <laughs> oh, well, Greg Olson probably played into the 90s yeah the name sounds somewhat familiar but that's also a fam- like a, a common name right right and so they just never had i i, I think jose mesa might have been there for a little while was. at one point but to your point they've never they've never had a guy that sort of owned that closer position and 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 right be, be dominant way, for a bunch of years a lot a, of teams are like that I guess. most teams are like that i think closer is kind of a hard position to have because it's also a role that hasn't really existed for the entirety of baseball or didn't get credited at least right. for existing even the people were being used that way um so yeah I, I it was hard to find relief pitchers you know that that go deep down you know that that rabbit hole, um that rabbit hole um earl weaver is my manager and there he's like the manager of baltimore you know he's like legendary there for a variety of reasons mainly for kicking dirt on people and winning so what and do you remember he was known for um uh, what like a a, a bunt and a and a and a and a, and a, and a Bink or something like that, like a hit and a three-run homer. He was the proponent of thinking that three-run homers would solve all my problems. Mm-hmm. So that's what we play for is to get a, a dink and a doink and a three-run jack and, you know, and then we win. Right. But, you know, if you're getting three-run home runs, it means you got guys on base. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they were some really good Oriole teams, obviously, you know, you know, f- from that period. So when did he really manage from? Uh, f- 60s through the, the-, the 70s into, I think. I'm going to guess, and I don't remember for sure if he was the manager for the 83 Orioles, but he could have made it all the he way could have done all three. So he could have done the same thing with Jim Palmer, which Interesting. I, I would have thought about that. Um, the Orioles also had the distinction of being a great answer to a trivia question. The I don't, I don't know if they're the only franchise because it might have happened before, but certainly the most recent uh, franchise to have four 20-game winners in the same season. Wow. Okay, which it just meant those guys pitched a lot. Uh, something you're actually probably never going to see again. I think it's a pretty safe bet. Right. Yeah, you might. You see may a, never see any, a 20 game winner you again. Might see a 20 game winner just because one guy has an unbelievable year where everything breaks right for him. But I don't think you'll see, ever see a team with four. So Jim Palmer, mm-hmm. Mike Cuellar, who uh, was a good left-handed pitcher for a, a long time, won 20 games. Uh, won 20 games. Dave McNally. 
also um, pitched for the Expos uh, and was a, was a really good pitcher for the for the Orioles. And the guy that you that always you forget in the trivia question, a guy named Pat Dobson, and I think he pitched for Cleveland before that. But that I, was his year. I can't say I forgot him. I just I never knew he <laughs> never existed knew in the first place. So yeah, the only other team that did it was the 1920 White Sox. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty cool distinction to have a major league history that happened twice in 50 years. Almost. And those are the only two times it's ever going to happen. And it never happened again. So um, yeah, Jim Palmer. Um, you know, I just wanted to mention you know, the three Cy Youngs, um, the 211 complete games. <laughs> it's more than guys have wins. <laughs> 211 complete games. Of those, 53 were shutouts. That's pretty good. So like one out of every four. 53 shutouts. Like one out of every four. That's crazy. <laughs> he pitched the whole game 211 times, and 53 of those times, he didn't give up any runs. That's yeah, pretty good. How can you now, you know, granted Palmer pitched during that time, you know, where he had the mound lowered. Right. And, and whatnot, so it was a pitching dominant era. But not for a long time, because he pitched into the 80s, he and he pitched, pitched through the 70s, so he was pitching a long time where the mound wasn't like that so he had about half his career uh you know Why? one way when the other because he came up in i think he came up in 66 right so, so actually only a couple of years right that's what i was saying yeah yeah so he was a he was a young pitcher and he is their number one player by far um in terms of war um we didn't talk much about brooks robinson we probably we mentioned that he was the I hall of famer what, what else are you going to say about well him? then just because he passed away recently and there was just a lot of you know really nice things said about a guy that i think i think everybody felt was one of the most genuinely nice people you'll ever meet in baseball ball and he carried that all the way to the end of his life actually and was very involved in the game but brooks robinson you know was a good player who announced himself in the 1970 world series not the 69 series against the mets the next year when they won against the cincinnati reds because he fielded everything and anything that went up the third base and made plays that i, I don't think people had ever seen before and you, this is at the beginning of television replay and so that that was probably one of the first times i'm just thinking of this now as i'm saying it where you got to see what somebody and, did like live and a million times on replay right. when you couldn't ever see it at all before that and i'm sure that that was part of the reason why his legend grew so much. So um, there are not a lot of uh, St. Louis Browns on the all-time list, and and I which th- makes sense because we talked about how terrible they were. But but there are St. Louis Browns on the list because war is a compiled stat. Correct. So, you know, because you're the best player on the Browns and George Sisler, who has was a good player, was a, was, a, was a Hall of Fame player yeah. um, and has the all time record for hits in the National Leagues in a National League season with 257, mm-hmm. um, which I, I think is pretty cool. Um, but there's other guys that, that played for St. Louis. Bobby Wallace. A shortstop for Bobby Wallace. And I guess I could have put him in, in, in I had Vern Stevens as one of the other shortstops. Right. You're, 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 you've mentioned him a few times. Um, but this goes back to funny baseball, right? So he was an original uh, St. Louis. Uh, no, he wasn't. He played for the Cardinals in 1901 when they were the Brewers mm-hmm. and then went to the Browns in 1902 when the Browns became the Browns. Interesting. So he didn't leave St. Louis. He just swapped teams. Uh, but uh, Bobby Wallace is a, you know, uh, is right, up, but he was there. playing in the dead ball. He played era. a bunch of years for St. Louis and that's why he's on the all time list. Right. Um, and there, there are some other, you know, notable players, you know, that, you know, Bobby Gritch, who we like a lot. Right. Uh, I'm sure Palmera, Palmiero, Palmiero. Is- but, but the thing about that, even Manny Machado, right, is on, on the all time list for war but these are all guys that spent part of their years in baltimore but they were just really good while they were there and 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 another guy who played every year in in baltimore except for one who was their shortstop on the uh world series winning team in 1970 Mm. and 69 mark belanger a defensive wizard who hit 228 for his career at shortstop but 
but he is an all-time war guy because he got it all on D-War, and he played there enough times. And he has played, I'm sure Adam Jones is on this list. Adam somewhere. Jones is on that list as well, um, and, and, a, and a, an excellent defensive player, mm-hmm. in addition to being a guy who could hit home runs. So I think, you know, the, the Orioles need to need to have Adley Rutschman sort of, you know, take the moniker away from Rick Farrell. They got Well, I think they just got to have some success because they haven't won a World Series since 83. They've had scattered and limited playoff appearances since then as well. I mean, I can remember them making a postseason appearance here and there, but it's like one year and then they don't go back for years after that. At least that's how it feels. Right. They had those good teams in the late 90s, right? With, right. With, when Miguel Tejada was there. And they had a decent some decent teams in the early well, early 2010s if i remember correctly but it was only like a year or two where they were really like a threat and then i think you mentioned they have the uh, record of futility right interestingly even though the orioles have been really good and they got off to a really good start as a franchise i want to say in one year in the 80s i don't remember which year in particular they were the first team to ever start off 0-21. I remember that losing streak. Every day you'd look and think, wow, they lost again. They, they got to win tomorrow. I mean, like, start a season right. 0-21. And they probably they end up playing decent baseball the rest of the way because they're not like an all-time terrible team. That just going 0-21 to start the season, it's the same way where if you went 21-0 to start the season – if you play 500 baseball the rest of the way, you're like a hundred something win. Right, right, right. So there's a reason why they did. Yeah. So uh, and, and you mentioned Adam Jones before, and you know, Gold Gloves, you know, home runs or whatnot. The Orioles don't have a lot of retired numbers. So I mean, Jim Palmer, Eddie Murray, um, uh, Alomar is not Brooks and Frank, yeah. and Earl Weaver. I think those are the guys. That's it. Who's, it's that's, only five. That's it. And and that's kind of interesting that they don't have. I think that's just a franchise guys. choice. So so Adam Jones, who played there more than. He did any place? Would, would he be the kind of guy you might retire his number? Maybe. Yeah, I, I, I think they love him enough in in, in Baltimore. Right. So I mean, it just feels like there's room for more guys. Right. There's guys, you certainly could have retired the number for. It doesn't necessarily mean that he's in their Hall of Fame, um, but he should be. You know, I think in that respect, mm-hmm. maybe not. The, maybe Hall of Fame and not retired number. You can kind right, of, right. Because it's one thing to put him in the Hall of Fame; it's another thing to say nobody else is going to wear this number for us. Right. I think Musina would be in the Oriole Hall of Fame, when but he wouldn't. Have really have his right. number retired so I, I think that's uh you know that's a good way of looking at it so yeah i think um you know the, the orioles uh, fortunately for the for we met fans they're three years you know earlier than the mets for not having won their last world series so at least you know right if they're, they're, they're longer than the mets there off. aren't that many teams left that haven't no won. i think the scary thing is based off of the way they're playing this year if they're a lot closer they're a way closer than the mets Thanks for listening. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. Follow us on Twitter at Almost Cooper.